for listening to a session recorded live at the 66th Annual Churches of Christ National Lectureship held March 30th through April 4th, 2010 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Now to our session. The next uh, preaching voice you will hear is that of Brother James Michael Crusoe, outstanding uh, gospel minister as all of these men are. He's from the Norris Road Church of Christ in Memphis, Tennessee, and we're just excitingly excited about what he's going to share with us on this morning. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endure forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If God woke you up this morning, you ought to say amen. You have food on the table, you can say amen. You have a roof over your head and shoes on your feet, you ought to say amen. And if you got here safely by traveling grace, you sure enough ought to say amen. For God is good, and he's good all the time. We thank God for traveling grace to arrive here safely. We're thankful to Brother Rupert and to the lectureship committee for uh, the invitation to participate on the 66th annual national lectureship. I want to extend my appreciation to Brother Odom and Brother Maxwell for an outstanding job in presenting the Word of God. I look forward to hearing Brother Holt in just a few moments. I'm very grateful to have my wife in the audience uh, on this morning. She's able to travel with me, and uh, she told me if nobody else said amen, she's in my amen corner on this morning and then we have some other members from Norris Road who are here uh, on this morning. Turn with me to the third chapter of the book of Acts and uh, we want to pick up with verse number 11. Acts chapter 3 beginning with verse number 11. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. 
the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God had raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name have made this man strong whom you see and know yea the faith which is by him have given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Drama at the doorstep. Luke, the beloved physician, writes a historical narrative that has been commonly called the Acts of the Apostles. In this historical narrative is a record of dramatic events in the life of the greatest institution in the universe, the Church of Christ. And I just like saying Church of Christ. Ain't no church like the Church of Christ. And in the book of Acts, we have an overview of when the church began. We have an overview of where the church began. We have an overview of what lost folk did in order to get in the church of Christ. In chapter 1, we find a group of dedicated disciples spending 40 days in a post-resurrection sound doctrine empowerment training seminar in anticipation of something dramatic to occur. They were told to wait for power, and they were told to go as witnesses. In chapter 2, we find the first drama that began at Pentecost. Power was unleashed from on high, and it was noised abroad. And I just believe that the church of my Lord ought to be making some noise. This was an exciting and explosive time in the life of the church of Christ. God was moving in the lives of believers. The word of God was being preached. The spirit was speaking and things were changing for the better. The word was preached and souls were saved. And here comes the drama. 
in chapter 3. Brother White did an outstanding job on yesterday telling us about that lame man who was healed at the gate called Beautiful. But, but here, after souls were saved, here comes the drama. And drama is nothing new to the Lord's church. If you've been in the church for any length of time, you know there's drama in the Bible class. Drama in the business meeting. Drama between old members and new members. Drama when the attendance is low. And there's shown enough drama when the offering is down. Drama between old school members and new school members. Drama if somebody sits in your favorite seat or parks in your favorite parking spot. Drama in the kitchen uh, during fellowship meals. And you know how it is. Somebody like to hide the favorite cake or hide the favorite pie. And all kind of drama in the Church of Christ. Drama if they leave your name out of the bulletin. Drama in the leadership over who is over who. And I think we ought to take a cue from Mary J. Bly. No more drama in the Lost Church. But, but there's a different kind of drama in Acts chapter 3. Peter's sermon before, and this is his second sermon, before the temple crowd caught the attention of the temple leaders. The excitement caused by the healing of the lame man and the explanation given by Peter raised concerns among the religious authority. If I had time, this drama would unfold in three acts. Act number one, we would have a man in need of a miracle. But Brother White took care of that on yesterday. Act number two is a misunderstanding of miracles. And then act number three is a message that still makes sense. That's the three-act drama in chapter 3 and in chapter 4. Well, let's deal with this misunderstanding of miracle. You already know that the lame man is healed. You already know that he's leaping and praising God. You already know what Peter and John has already done and what Peter and John has already said. You already know that. But the Bible said that that folks saw this lame man leaping and praising and they are in bewilderment they are puzzled they they want to know how in the world did this thing happen and why did it happen at the gate called beautiful and why did it happen at solomon's porch well this uh, this second drama begins with the miracle at the gate called beautiful then the scene shifts to the sermon at solomon's porch solomon's porch is mentioned three times in scripture john 10 23 jesus was there acts 311 and then acts 5 and verse number 12 well if you look at the structure of the temple you would pass from the court of israel back again through the court of women to the beautiful gate and peter and john now have left the gate called beautiful with the hill uh the lame man to the court of the gentiles now on the eastern side of the court of gentiles was located solomon's porch and solomon's porch was a porch along the inside of the wall with rows of stone columns that were some 27 feet high it supported a cedar roof and evidently the early christian met there 
on a frequent basis. Now, what has happened is he's healed at the gate called beautiful. They walk through the temple. They get to Solomon's porch and, and the religious authorities have a reaction to what has happened. They have a reaction. But Peter took an opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they, they, they are wondering about this thing called miracles. And, you know, uh, there's some misunderstanding of miracles. Let, let me say on the front end, we serve a more than able God. Uh, let me say on the front end, we, we serve a prayer answering God. Uh, uh, we serve a faith rewarding God. We, we, we serve a grace giving God, when, when it comes to miracle, my, my Bible said, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, my God is more than able. I read in James 5.16 that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I, I read in Hebrews 11 and 6 that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I, I read in Hebrews 4, 16 that we can come to the throne of grace boldly to obtain mercy and find grace in, in, to help in time of need. What, what, what are you talking about, brother preacher? Well, when it comes to miracles, God is still a miracle working God. That there is nothing that God cannot do. That there is nothing beyond the will or reach of God because he's a more than able God. He's a prayer answering God. He's a faith rewarding God. He's a grace giving God. Anybody in this audience ever been on their sick bed? Anybody in here know somebody that been at death's door and God raised them up? Uh, anybody know about a doctor that will say one thing and only a few days later they can't explain how you got up off your sick bed. Uh, anybody here ever lost a job and, and then God give you a better job than you had before? Or anybody here ever been in trouble and through prayer God got you out of trouble? You cannot tell me that God is not a miracle working God And we saw in Haiti how the devastation killed thousands of people, but then a baby will be alive. Oh, somebody under the rubble is still alive after days or after weeks. I, I don't put anything past God. God can do whatever God gets ready to do. And, and miracles, we're talking about those acts that only God can perform. And a miracle usually supersedes the natural laws. And in the Bible, there were different types of miracles, miracles over demons, miracles over death, miracle over disease, nature, and material things. God is a miracle working God. But the miraculous operation of the Holy Spirit does not exist today. I, I wish somebody would help me here. Now, now, now I I'm not saying God don't work miracles. But I am saying there is no man or no woman alive who can perform miracles. God used men in New Testament times to confirm the spoken word. Mark 16 and 20, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. And the purpose of 
the miraculous was to confirm the word uh, that was spoken because they did not have the Bible completed. They did not have the 66 books. They did not have written down. And John said in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, that there were many signs that Jesus did that are not written in these books. But these are written that you might believe and that by believing you might have faith through his name. In other words, they did not have what we have today, and God did not use a dusty-eyed man like you and me to perform a miracle. In the Bible, miracles that men performed were immediate and indisputable. You remember John 5, that impotent man at the pool of Bethesda? Uh, Jesus told him uh, to rise, take up his bed, and walk. The man had been in that case for 38 years. And when Jesus healed him, it was immediate and it was indisputable. You remember Mark chapter 1, uh, uh, when Peter and John uh, went, took the Lord home to Peter's house. And Peter's mother-in-law lay sick of the fever. Jesus touched her and immediately she got up and ministered unto them. Anybody remember blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10? Uh, he cried out, Oh Lord, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Lord said, What is it that you want? And Bartimaeus said that I might receive my sight. And he received his sight right there on the spot. Well, today we've got TV evangelists uh, claiming to heal unknown, undetectable diseases. And then on top of claiming to heal unknown, undetectable diseases, they will charge folk for that miracle. Uh, folk come on TV, uh, sent in for this blessed prayer cloth, or sent in for this handkerchief, or sent in for this holy water. But in the Bible, miracles were immediate, and miracles were indisputable, and miracles were not chargeable, and there is no man alive who can perform a miracle today, but God can. And I live in Memphis now. I've been preaching there for the last eight years. And everybody in Memphis know about Elvis Presley. And I would challenge any so-called miracle worker who claim that they can heal the sick. You see, you see the New Testament writers and the apostles, not only could they heal the sick, but they could also raise the dead. And I wish some of these so-called miracle workers, some of these folk who claim that they can perform miracles, I wish they would come to Memphis and raise Elvis from the grave. And I tell you, if you raise Elvis from the grave, I'll raise Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you raise Elvis, I'll raise Michael Jackson. Now, and I can say that because I know you can't raise Elvis and I can't raise Michael, but God did raise Jesus. But watch, watch what Peter does with this miracle. He uses this healing miracle as a platform to preach the gospel. I just think we got a message that still makes sense. And I think it's important that in churches of Christ, we keep saying the same thing over and over again. Peter's second sermon in Acts 3 is the same sermon he preached on the day of Pentecost. I think there's some power in saying the same thing over and over again. 
older preachers and younger preachers and middle-aged preachers. If you are a preacher, we ought to say the same thing over and over again. Watch Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 3. Watch his sermon in Acts chapter 2. And if I had time, I'd even show you in Acts chapter 10 that Peter is consistent. He's going to say the same thing over and over again. Now, he may change how he says it, but what he said is going to be the same thing. And every gospel preacher ought not have no trouble coming up with a sermon. Just preach the same thing. Over and over again. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 16, Peter made an appeal to the prophets. He talked about David. Well, in Acts chapter 3 and verse number 18, Peter makes an appeal to the prophets. He talks about Moses. In Acts chapter 2 and verse number 22, Peter said that Jesus was approved by God. Well, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 13, he said that Jesus is glorified by God. Acts 2.23, Peter said, you by wicked hands have crucified and slain him. Acts chapter 3, 14 and 15, he said, you denied the Holy One, killed the Prince of Life. Acts 2.24, Peter said, God raised him up. Acts 3.15, he said, God raised him up and we are witnesses. Acts 2.38, he said, repent and be baptized. Acts 3.19, he said, repent and be converted. I don't know if you see it, but I see consistency in that message. What he said on Pentecost is the same thing he says on Solomon's porch. And I think if we're going to be real gospel preachers, we got to preach that old time gospel. I I know some people have problems with that old time gospel, but don't we serve an old God? Well, in Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Whenever the beginning began, God was there. Before time became time, God was there. Don't we read from an old book? The Bible is old, but is not antiquated. I read in 1 Peter 1, 23 through 25, that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withered and the flower faded, falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. It's old, but it still works. I think it still makes sense to use what converted 3,000 on Pentecost. And then when you read Acts chapter 4, about 2,000 more have obeyed the gospel, and that's just counting the men. Now the number has gone from 3,000 to 5,000. I don't know about you, but I'll take those numbers in a day. we got to preach the same thing, and it still makes sense. I, it still makes sense for gospel preachers to contend for the faith. It still makes sense for gospel preachers to give the plan of salvation. It still makes sense for us to teach that baptism is for the remission of sin. It still makes sense to preach that old 
time gospel and talk about one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. I don't know about you, but that old time gospel kept families together. That that old time gospel kept churches from splitting. That old time gospel kept young folk out of jail. The gospel is good news, and we need to preach that good news and keep it the same year after year and month after month and week after week because folk need some good news. It's good news to a bereaved family. The gospel is good news to the young and restless. The gospel is good news to the sick and afflicted. The gospel is good news to those broken in spirit, betrayed by friends, frustrated by finances, robbed of moral virtue. The gospel is good news. Our message still makes sense. And what makes us the church of Christ and what makes us distinctive is that old time gospel. That old time gospel still has power because the gospel is the sweetest sound that ever penetrated the human ear. It's the greatest story ever told. It's the greatest news that ever thrilled the human heart. And Peter was a gospel preacher who said the same thing every time. And if you want some drama, some real drama, preach that old time gospel.